Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Sunday afternoon. I think I'm going to go out of the water a little bit this week. I could really classify this talk I'm going to do now in several different ways. But let's call it an L01. So I want to thank Mishpacha Stefanski. I'm going to talk about Salichos because it's around the corner. And from a historical perspective, Salichos is very interesting. So much of what we do in Yom Kippur, Shanim Kippur this time of year, is not in the Gemara, it's post-Talmudic. Which shows you a lot, if you study it closely from a historical point of view, of the character of the Jewish people because... There have been over the thousands of years all kind of different things that have popped up. Some have come and gone, and some became hardwired into the very fabric of Jewish life. And you might say it's a way of testing the viability of practices and customs and prayers and things like this, which ones take off and which ones do not. The kind of Darwinianism. Uh, and Slichus is an example because there's no Slichus in the Gemara. Okay? There's no Slichus in the Gemara. Now, um, Nevertheless, a long ago, although I don't know how long, uh, the practice of reciting penitential prayers before Rosh Hashanah, well, I have to take back what I just said. The idea of saying an additional prayers to what you say in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, what we call Slichas, began, as far as we can tell, in the Gaonic period. So the Gemara was out. The Gemara doesn't really talk about this. You have to remember time of the Gemara, synagogues were not even common, and the liturgical tradition of the Jewish people had not reached an advanced stage as far as we can tell. Although, to be perfectly honest, we don't really know exactly what davening was like, for the most part, time of the Gemara. I mean, a little bit. And certainly layers of the Gemara, time of the Mishnah, Tanaim, and all that. So, if you study this historically, all the historians know this. The first time you hear about Slichos, extra prayers, is uh, in Bavel, in the time of the Gaonim, who don't claim that it's Talmudic, and the Slichos is only during the Aseris Mechu, but there was no Slichos during El at all. Isn't that interesting? And this would be based on a Talmudic idea. I repeat, the recit- recitation of Slichos is not in the Gemara. But the idea behind it is, seek out the Lord when he was around. And the Gemara says very famously, and many of us remember this, in Rosh Hashanah, there's a difference between a Yochid. There are certain times when a Yochid, for an individual person, praying for his and her personal uh, good future, will seek out the Lord in the right time, in lucky times. Let me use that word. And the Tzibur, there is no such thing as lucky time, but Tzibur, which he said many times, has a magical power in Judaism, and Tzibur can, can, can do tshuva and seek out the Lord at any time. Okay? So Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, that's for the Yochid. The Tzibur can be any time. And it says, Dear Shashem, be Matzav, seek out the Lord when he's around. When is God around? Be Yochid Amos. If you're dealing with the Yochid, when is that? Elo Asar Yamshim, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. 
the ten days from Rosh Hashem Kippur. That's the only reference, I, I believe, to Aseret Simei Tshuva, even as a shtickle concept. It doesn't say, this is Aseret Simei Tshuva, and all that stuff. I believe this is the only extremely cryptic reference that there's something lucky or special about, you know, uh, man and the Yachid and God in, um, in, in, in the 10 days from the beginning of, of Tishrei. Elo Asar Yamim, Amra Bavavua, Elo Asar Yamshim Rashayim Kibber. And they bring a most unusual uh, example of this with the story of King David and Noble. No, it's the Abigail story. As I think many will remember, one of King David's wives is Abigail, but originally she was married to this guy named Noble, who his name is Didactic. He was a Noble. And um, she even says that in the puzzle, if I remember. She says, my husband's name is Noble, and he's Taka Noble. And um, it says that there was a 10-day gap before Noble died from a heart attack. Isn't it Gemara? So God struck Novel and gave him a heart attack on Yom Kippur. Why not before that? Because he had acted badly towards David. And the Gemara says, What's the shot with the 10 days? Why does the Pasuk say he died 10 days later? No, what's the significance? And it says, Can I get Esther Legimus? Shanosa Novel Avdi David that he would have died on the, would have died right then and there on the spot for acting um, badly towards David. I won't go through the whole story. You look it up yourself if you're interested. In Shmuel Aleph. And so, but he did treat David's messengers courteously. He gave him 10 legimos, 10 shots of booze. And um, therefore, he, his, his death was delayed for 10 days. Okay. Rashi says, Asara Avadim Shalcho David, Venoslam Suda Achas Lafiko Noslo Asar Yaman. See, he gave him 10 meals, so he got 10 days. Amrab Nachman, Amrab Avua, I remind you, Rabbi Avua is the one who said that there exists a concept called Asar Yamim from Rosh Hashanah Kibber. It's funny because it's like one mandomer, you know, but okay. And it says, Amrab Nachman, Rabbi Avua, Elo Asar Yamshim Rosh Hashanah Kibber. That the story of David and Nobel, which culminated in the death of Nobel, his heart attack. It says the words heart attack. He says, My heart hurts. William, at the end of 10 days, this was the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah Kibber. Which is a strange story because what David sent the army to kill him and all that. Not the story in Rosh Hashanah, but putting that aside. And Rashi says, <laughs> That during those 10 days, forget the story about the booze. This is another Mandamar. Why does it say, Vahib Kaseras Yamim Vahigo Vashem is Noel? According to Rab Barvud, the way you read the story is like this David acted courteously towards Noel. Noel acted uh, discourteously towards David. God was very angry at the way Noel acted. But before he struck him, he gave him 10 days to reconsider. As it happened, Noel did not reconsider, and so he dropped dead. Shema Minor. If you say, as this man Dharma Dugmar says, that what we you and I call the Aseris Mishra, the ten days were the ten, that the Pasuk refers to were the ten days identical with the first ten days of Tishrei, then you're basically seeing that the story of novel of all people is like a model for you and I and everyone else, which is we've all done our share of sins. 
we should take the opportunity not to be like Novo, but rather to say that during those 10 days, I'll reconsider my actions and repent. So that's the Talmudic take on this. Those who remember the Rambam, and I think many do, will recall perhaps that the Rambam also makes no mention of Chodesh El, but rather you do Slichas, the Rambam says, during the Aserah Smei Tshuva, and that's it. In Hilchus Tshuva, in the second chapter, he says, Afalpi, it's always good to repent. But it's extra good on what you and I call the Aserah Smei Tshuva. And uh, so, uh, and I think, um, ah, I think he has an ex- language here somewhere where he says that's why Kla Yisrael does the uh, slichos. I think he says that, right? But that's the reference to the 10 days. Okay, where is that? It's somewhere over here. That's why Claudius Throw has a reference to the 10 days. One of you will, will send me an email or remind me. You can look at it. So, um, according to that, there was zero. Sleek is an elo. That's just interesting. You walked into Rosh Hashanah cold, but yeah, of course, you had 10 days. So, whatever you didn't get right in Rosh Hashanah, you fixed up by the time you get Yom Kippur or else. That's uh, the original model. And that's how Slichos was practiced in the Gaonic Yeshivas and those places that listened to them. And uh, the Sephardim, apparently, the way the Ram was describing it, because the Sephardim, and I'm talking about Islamic Spain, when they were in Andalusia, from the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 hundreds, Rambam being a product of that, uh, they often, very often follow the Babylonian Yeshiva custom, and that, there you have it. So in other words, uh, this was uh, the practice for a long time. And it survived in funny way, according to the Ron, who was in Spain a little bit after the Rambam. The Rambam was, was born in Spain in the 1100s. Of course, he moved. Uh, the Ron was in Christian Spain in the 1300s. Okay? And the Ron, in the back of the Gemara, the Ron is always interesting, but in Rosh Hashanah, I, in my opinion, is particularly interesting. I'm talking about from the history point perspective. And in that round that I mentioned last week, we talks about what happened with Moses in the 40 days and the blowing of the shofar and all that during Yahweh. And God started to crack, remember all that? So the Ron says that um, there are practices of reciting slichas uh, in El. But that, of course, would be based on the idea, he says, that the world was created in Tishrei. So then you get involved with the 25th of El and all that. But what about if you hold that um, the world was not created in Tishrei, but rather in Nisan? So then, Enoch uh, Here I am. There is a law in the Torah that says um, that you have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Adin, at least by the time we finish Tarshaning it. So, okay, you have Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but no mention of El. And if that's the case, um, there's no reason 
to recite slichas in the month of El because you're not recalling anything. In other words, part of the reason that you would say slichas prior to Rosh Hashanah would be the idea that it's some kind of connection with the Bria Zolom. As a matter of fact, that's why a second custom of how to say slichas was to start on 25L. Uh, and that's a different sensibility. Because obviously, in other words, of course, that starts to make you also. But why do you start earlier? Briasom, creation of the world. What do you mean? Adam and Eve were created in Rosh Hashanah. So you walk back in the first day of creation when he said, Yehior, Brazil, Bogims, Hashemai, Vesarts, that'd be 25L. And so the Slichas are associated with the creation of the world. And this, the Ron tells us, was um, the Midigo of uh, Barcelona. So notice, Ron was in Christian Spain. Barcelona's in Christian Spain. And he was in the 1300s, by which time there is no Islamic uh, Spain left, hardly. No Jews there. So he was in Aragon. Iker Mukum Torah. We're talking about the Ron. See, so you have a chain of command over here. Uh, the Ramah, Yad Ramah, the Ramban, Rajbab, Ritva, Ron, Rivosh. That's quite a batting order. That was Ikram Makam Torah, one generation after another. And they had different Minhagim over there. And there were Chashavah Kehillists that had their own Minhagim from long ago. There's no such thing as the Sephardish and Minig. There were different places in Sephardic that had different customs. And a perfect example is what I'm talking about over here. When do you start to say Slichos? And what, and Duran tells us, and he was there, that in one city they started saying Slichos on 25L, and the other place they did not. They did like Babylonia. They only said Slichos only on the Seres Mechuba. And Duran explains it, in his opinion, as being based on when you understand the creation of the world was. So in other words, Dominica Barcelona, which is a Chosha Bekele, Duran was in Barcelona before him, Dirajba had his big yeshiva in Barcelona, it's an important community. I mean, Torah-wise. You know, Torah-wise. Um, why did they do, why did they say Slichas 25L, come rain, shine, sleet, or hail? You know, that was how they did it. Because they understood that that's the, this is when the world is created. So in other words, according to that, the idea behind saying Slichos was not simply kissing up to God and trying to make up what you did wrong, but something in the sense of, oh, the world was created today, we should recite slichos. Now, it's not exactly Dirsha Hashem Bimoto. It's a historical. We perceive, they said in Barcelona and similar cities, that today is the beginning of the creation, and our it's a, therefore it's a, it's a banner day in history. And the proper way for us to respond to that, I'm just trying to share with you the medieval sensibility. It's not to say praises and Tehillim, although that's what you think you do nowadays, but to do Slichos. As far as I can tell, which is all I can ever do, it's very interesting because it basically, to me, what it's saying is like this. These are old customs. Oh, Lord, today's the beginning of the time you created the world. Boy, did we screw up. Therefore, Slach Lono, Vinaki, Chotano, Mechalono, Kivoshano. Right? Uh, in other words, you know, Bereshit Baral came, Bishwil Yisrael Shinnik Horatius, Bishwil Atorish Nikoratius, and all that stuff. 
So the world was created with a purpose in mind. We messed it up. We, the human race, including we, Klal Yisrael. Therefore, the memories of, the remembrance of the creation world is a little bit, um, insult, um, not insulting, but embarrassing. You say it's embarrassing. Because really, when the world is created, Adam and Eve should not have eaten from the apple, and, and, and we should all live in paradise. And we should live in a super high madriga, and everything should be great. Instead, we've gone through thousands of years of the opposite. So do we look back at Bria Olam as a happy time or as a sad time? Mitzad Hashem could be happy, but Mitzad the human race is a sad time. Reminds us of the screw-up, and therefore we respond to it with slichos. But the Ron says, there were those who hold, as in the Gemara, that nothing that I just said is true. That's all one big mistake. In point of fact, the world was not created in Elo. Because that's the Machlokas. In that case, it was created in Nisan. If the world is not created in Elo, it's a mistake to recite Slichus in the week before Rosh Hashanah. No creation took place. And that was the Minhag of Girona, which is not too far north. I guess it's 20, 30 miles north of Barcelona, I believe. That's where the town of the Ramban and the Rabbeinu of Girona. So again, these are very important Torah communities of yesteryear. And he says uh, that if you hold the Ron says that the world was not created in, in, in Tishrei, then forget all that. There's no point in saying Slichus the week before Rosh Hashanah. Because nothing happened. So therefore in Girona, now again, the difference between Barcelona and Girona I think I think it's something like Baltimore and Silver Spring or less. So I don't have to tell you Ramban is a from guy. Everybody is a from guy. But where they were, they obviously came from the tradition that the world was created in Nisan, or at least there were strong representations on behalf of that point of view. And therefore, they simply didn't have slichas because it didn't make any sense. So, I'm describing to you one section of the Jewish people for whom slichas was a historical business associated with the concept of the creation of the world or the non-creation of the world. And the slichas practices varied as a result of their attitudes towards that, which itself is just very interesting. Okay? So, what do we got? You have a minute to say slichas not on Elul at all, just on the Seres Mechiba. You have another one to say Slichos from 25 Elul on. Okay? And then you have the third custom to do the whole Rosh Chodesh Elul. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Obviously, if they're popped up, and of course we know there is, that's what the Sephardim generally do today. If they do the whole Rosh Hashanah, you know, I mean the whole uh, Chodesh Elul. So obviously that came from a different sensibility. A different historical sensibility. Whoever came up with that custom was not identifying the custom with the story or the non-story of the creation of the world. But rather the story of Moshe Rabbeinu going up the mountain the third time 40 days and praying for the Jewish people to be totally forgiven for the sin of the golden calf, culminating Yom Kippur and getting the second tablets. In other words, you're commemorating a completely different story. As we spoke about, as I'm sure you know anyway. Okay? It doesn't involve creation. It's the 40 days of Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, and by the way, 
This is also an old one. It's not as old as the Gaonic one. But I know the Ritzkias talks about it. Rabbi Yitzhak Ibn Gaya, who's in the 11th century. He was the Rosh Hashiva in Lucina, after, a, uh, what's his name, after a Shmuel Nugget. And Lucina Yeshiva, I've spoken about it. You listen to what I said about the riff. Was literally the Velazhin of um, Islamic Spain. So it was a hot place. And there, they developed this penitential practice of doing the whole month of El. So obviously, to them, creation or non-creation was not the thing. Because after all, as I said before, it's a little bit strange to react to creation by saying slichas. Rather, you should react to creation or to, or the anniversary of creation by saying some kind of tehillim, right? Or, or something like that, right? Halut, because we know. Um, but rather, instead, it's a story of Moshe. Okay. So, I've just showed you that you can't speak about Sephardim because it depends when and where. Spain was a big area, had a lot of Jewish communities. During the time of Islamic Spain, in Lucina, and therefore I'm sure elsewhere, they did whole Chodesh El. By the time you get 200 years later, or 300 years later, um, at least, and you're dealing with Christian Spain in northeast eastern Spain, in Aragon, the part facing towards Israel, uh, they no longer know about saying the whole Chodesh El, even though they sure as heck are Safaradim. Um, and they don't know about any business, they're talking about the creation world, non-creation world. Okay? Uh, it's just interesting. Now, uh, why did Jews in Islamic Spain pick up this business for, for saying Slichas a whole month? I mean, to be perfectly honest, when I first saw it, I said it's like Ramadan, you know? Those Gaim all do something like that for a month. So the Jews do something like that for a month because you're basically saying Slichas for 40 days, you know, for a whole month and more. Uh, it's it's part of the culture. But then again, you know, the Me'iri, who lived in Christian Spain, actually in in southern France, and it's hard to explain, but it was, it was a part of part of France that belonged to Aragon, to Spain, in Perpignan. Uh, Samiri was like his own parsha. He also does 40 days. Right from Ashush. Oh, you know, Miri has a book on, uh, on, on Teshuvah, which is not easy to read because it's always so long. I'm always waiting. Chibur HaTshuvah is called. I'm always waiting for them to come out with the kudos. You know me. And... Um, he gives a very practical reason. I don't believe this is the original reason, but it could be. Maybe, I mean, there's more than I do. Uh, but the Miri is always extremely logical and even rationalistic. And he says that they came up with the idea of imitating Moses and saying Slichas the whole 40 months to get you ready for Rosh Hashanah. All right. That's a, that's a pragmatic business. You understand? Now, I, I think from a, as an American, I would say, I guess, really? You do for 30 days, by the time comes Rosh Hashanah, you're, you're, you're wiped out. You say, Gnuk with the Slichas, you know? No, that's wrong. Listen to this. Ukvar This is the Meiri. That is proper to get in the mood before Rosh Hashanah 
as we do with other holidays, which is you have to do 30 days before Pesach, you start learning Pesach. You see? Al-Sad Omram Dorshin Hilchas HaPesach, Konim HaPesach, Shloshim Yom Bechem Bekulam, Roy Lahaktim Belidrash B'Inyan Ayom, Zman Echad Konim Layom. Kedelis Ora Al-Nyon Ayom. This is very pragmatic. You know, every rabbi is given this speech one time or another. Don't go into Rosh Hashanah cold. Start doing two beforehand, because if you go into Rosh Hashanah, it's like too late. You've heard that before, right? And if you let the whole week of Aserit Smei Chuba go by, you go into Yom Kippur, it's almost too late. You say, oh, I should have thought about this, that, and the other. But rather, make hachonos. And in this case, just as you have to get ready for Pesach, 30 days before Pesach, and so forth, so you have to get ready for Rosh Hashanah 30 days before, and you do that through the Slichos. That's his explanation. Kedi Lissara in Yone Ayom, and with regard of this consideration, his pashet haminik baharbim akomas, a minik developed in a lot of places. Lahagdim laharbas betfilim me rosh chodesh el laharashachem slichas to do the whole month of el. Kedeshi machshavoseim zakos unikios, so that their minds will be purified. Bagia hayom yata rosh chodesh el. As soon as Rishchel starts, Bitara, Venichnes, Betishe, Bekedusha, Yom Shalosham El. That's a nice word. Mary's always a good writer. And, you know, it reminds you a little bit of Mesil's charm. First, you have to be Noki, and then you can be Kadosh. Right? So Rosh Hashanah, you want to go in, these are his words. You want to go in Kadosh? So you need a detox period, get rid of the junk to get the Nikias during the month of. And hopefully over 30 days of St. Slichus, that'll do the trick. And there's a whole system to it. Now, I'll tell you right now, if this was Yisrael Salanter, he'd say like this. And I think he says these words. He says, Slichus itself don't do the trick, baby. You know, I mean, they're good, but reciting poems, especially poems you don't understand, is not called getting yourself nucky. For Elo, the yeshivas have developed in their history a whole culture of Elo, or at least they used to, you know, Tainus Debor and this, that, and the other. That's more the idea, Alpia Musar, you know, to clean yourself. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine Navardic during El being right? You think Slicha's accounts? Slicha don't do it. But the, for the Hamona, for, for the public, this is how it developed. At least that's the suggestion of the Miri. So what we're dealing with here is a historical phenomenon. And whenever you see a broad historical phenomenon that stretches across the Jewish people, you see different great people giving different reasons. You see, nobody knows the reason, but they're offering post-facto reasons for things that already exist, although what the Mary says makes perfect sense. Okay? It's a pragmatic. So it's not historical about creation. It's not historical about Moshe Rabbeinu and the last 40 days. It's simply, you know, pragmatic to get you ready for Yom Adin. Then there's another custom. The Ashkenazi custom. I'm talking about the old Ashkenazi custom, which is from Saturday night before Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. That's the Machzor Vitri, you know, Rashi's time. The French Ashkenazi. The one you and I are familiar with. Most of, I'm sure most of the people, I mean, I assume most of the people listening to this are Ashkenazi. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, so you only do a few days before. What's the shot? I mean, if you tell me 25 L, I get it. That has to do with, you know, Bria Salam. That's a certain way of moving. If you tell me the whole month, 
Death Souls, you're imitating Moses. But what does it mean a few days before Rosh Hashanah? Not that it counts any particular day. You know what I mean? In other words, if Rosh Hashanah is, is uh, you know, a, uh, what's the right word? A uh, Wednesday, it'll be so and so many days in L. If it's a Thursday, it'll be so and so many days in L. It'll be a Friday, a Saturday, you, you know what I mean? And so, where does this come from? Dashkenazim is coming from a different world. It's almost funny. The Iker is not the Slichas, the Iker is the Tainus. You say, what Tainus? Oh, what's wrong with you? Our medieval Ashkenazic ancestors all had a custom to fast 10 days. <laughs> you say, what? Everybody fasts 10 days. No? Well, you tell me, well, I'm already fasting Yom Kippur and Sam Gedalia. You wimp, you garnish. <laughs> you call that fasting? That's a garnish. <laughs> right? It's an old... It's the old world sensibilities, baby. It's not It's not us today where the guy says, I can't do Yom Kippur. Can I take this, then the other? I'm getting a headache. The Ashkenazim fasted 10 days. And you're supposed to fast 10 days as there is Chuba. But everybody knows you can't fast the whole as there is Chuba. You can't fast the Rosh Hashanah. You can't fast the Shabbat Shuba. You can't fast on every Yom Kippur, right? So in order to make 10 days, they decided to fast and do Slichas four days before Rosh Hashanah to make up for those days that you can't fast. This is how the Ashkenazic ancestors in the 11th century were thinking. And therefore they came with the slichas simply as a function of fasting, which is weird, okay? So in other words, they weren't thinking of imitating Moshe, where they would have done the whole month. They weren't thinking of imitating the creation of the world, or they would have had a fixed day of 25L. Instead, it's just, you know, the ichor is the tinus. Because basically, if I understand our ancestors correctly, they say, yes, you know, talk is cheap, and, you know, tinus walks. <laughs> Get it? You know, you say, oh, I regret it. Oh, you really regret? Let me see how much you regret it. Let me see you go a couple days without food. You know, eating at night, of course. Then I'll see whether you're serious. Otherwise, baloney, you're, you're not serious. And so it turns out the Gaza Slichas was like to reinforce the fasting. Of course, as we know, variations in the Ashkenazi then hug and develop. That's like the Mordechai and the Maril people I've been talking about in the podcast recently. And we ended up with the business, you know, when you don't want to have, God forbid, too few days, <laughs> too few days of fasting, right? You know, if 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 Rashad will be Sunday or Monday, can't start the night before, you know, on Monday or Tuesday, I mean. You know, that'd be getting off too cheap. You won't do your, your fast day, so they do a week before. Um, all of which would be part of the idea of the uh, penitential um, sigufim, uh, flagellations, uh, fastings. The whole world of the ancestors that was so wrapped up into that. This would be a time where you torture yourself, you do all kinds of things like that as part of Hasidus. Uh, you don't have to, but everybody does it. And the slichus then would simply be the liturgical aspect of this. Once you're fasting and you're uh, uh, afflicting yourself in one way or the other, the appropriate prayers, everybody getting together helps out. Helps the, the time, go, helps the, the communal experience. So we see already different customs. What they all have in common is there's some kind of slichus component. But on the other hand, um, but on the other hand, you know, uh, they're not the same. 
uh, it's just interesting. Now, um, there are other customs, a few other customs, at least that I know about. The most interesting to me are from these small areas in Italy and in uh, Provence, Avignon, places like that, where they had tiny Jewish communities. Guess how they did the slichas? On the <laughs> the Italian minig is to do slichas twice, baby. The Monday and Thursday before Rosh Hashanah. And of course, not Saris Mechubah. So just on the Monday and the Thursday before Rosh Hashanah. Um, no, that's not true. I'm saying you're wrong. You start the slichas on the Monday or the Thursday before Rosh Hashanah. So it wouldn't be the previous Saturday night, it would be the previous Thursday. See? Or the previous Monday. Uh, the best custom is in southern France and Avignon, where they only did on Mondays and Thursdays slichas. Now, where does all this come from? I'll tell you what I think. Nobody knows. You really had places where you only get a minion or a decent minion on Monday and Thursday. People come to your Christ the Torah. It's a world that doesn't exist anymore. People were peddlers. They had to go on the road. They weren't around. Like in the time of the Mishnah. Remember they talk about McGill reading on Monday and Thursday, all the rest of that. That's when Besden sits. That's the uh, day of the, uh, what do you call it, the Amadus, um, whatever it is in the fourth pair of Megillah. Life revolved around Monday and Thursdays as major days in the Jewish schedule in a way that it doesn't in your and my life today. We just had Kriyas and Torah. That's all. That's when Jews got together. You can't do slichas unless you have a shtickle tzibur. And I think they believe that the koach tzibur, which is not a bad koach, and I mean even 10 guys, 12 guys, if that's all that exists in this town, then that's their tzibur. That is a cock to get you through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Adin, successfully. Because we all know that as a yachid, nobody wants to be examined. Right? How do we say to Rosh Hashanah? Nobody wants his card pulled. But you want to be part of a group. And I think this Monday-Thursday business, especially the wonderful custom of only saying sleep is Monday-Thursday, I hesitate to say it's because I'm going to drive a lot of rabbis crazy. Well, about the morning, I'm going to say it now. Let's do just Monday and Thursday. But that's part of the history. Either, in my opinion, that was their Kocha Torah. In other words, I'm sure our ancestors in these small places believed that the Kriyas HaTorah itself, the Zechus, the power of the Kriyas HaTorah, will help them gain favor before the Lord. Isn't that funny again? To us, Laning is just something you do Monday through. It's, it, 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 it's not seen as anything powerful. But their ancestors have saw something powerful, and the slichos are recited when you have the luck, the good luck of saying the Kriya Torah or the Kochat Sibur. In any event, whichever of these customs popped up, which happened at different centuries, at different times, at different places, and as you see under different considerations, which I consider to be very interesting, the slichos phenomenon, where people compose new poems, hundreds of new poems, offered an opportunity for liturgical creativity. To say the regular davening is boring. I know, you're supposed to eat and feel, I get it, you know. You can't have a good shmonesri every day. But the, the natural nature of a live nation, 
is they, they want to do something new. They don't want to just cause over Beethoven, 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 even though Beethoven is great. You want to do something new. And they poured their hearts out this way. Now you have to understand. Among the Jewish people, like every people, there's always two opinions. One says, new sleeves are great, new poems are great. The other one says, no, no, no. Not because of, you know, Reformed Judaism, but it just offended them. So you're trying to introduce new poems. That is an existential tension. that never goes away. That's part of a group. We have a seaboard. Some like something new, and some like something new. But there always will be the element in the seaboard that seeks creativity and originality in something, and novelty. That's just the way it goes. Now, it all depends. Can the community channel that in safe ways or not? Um, to the degree they can, then, then they'll continue. To the degree they can't, you'll have people saying, I'm just repeating rote. is boring. Uh, nowadays, it's very interesting to me. As far as I know, we don't have new slichos. I don't see people writing new slichos which get accepted in the liturgy. I mean, once upon a time they did, not now. But you know what's interesting? The music. You have the same words, but now it's Karl Bach, it's this, that, and the other. You go and you see Sleek is now popular because of the music situation. It's a happening. Nothing wrong with that. It's just different. So it's the same words. It's okay, but the tunes, the style, the music, the um, the guitar, you know what I mean? The company of the band. That's new, that's American, that's Israeli, that's Sephardic, that's this, that, and the other. That the people like. And it speaks to them. And so nowadays, the liturgical creativity is not in the wording, as far as I can see, but in the music. And li listen, the Karl Bach types are looking for originality. Right? And uh, if you don't give people originality, they get turned off. On the other hand, if you simply say, make everything new and cut off the old, it's also is it, 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 it's phony. So you have to pull something off. Oh, it has it works. You have to pull something off that can work. You now, both in sense of tradition, as well as affording the uh, um, opportunity to say something in a new way. Let's say I live in America in an American way, in a Baltimore way. You live in a Muncie way. You know, that kind of business. That is very interesting food for thought. But I want to tell you something. That goes to the heart of the Teshuvah. Because you don't just repeat what you see in, in the in the old books. Everybody has to do his or her own Teshuvah. You have to come up with your own words because you have your own Averis. My Averis are my Averis. They're none of your business. Your Averis are your Averis. We can only, each one of us relates to God in his and her way. I talk in English, you talk in Yiddish, this one talks in French. You, you, you got to give um, due, what's the right word, credit to all that. So anyway, I just wanted to show you that the history of, everything is a history, not only El, but also Slikos, and uh, sometimes very Paul. but the idea of the creativity, a person seeking originality in terms of his or her relationship with the Rabbanishalom, is something that's a plus and not a minus. Anyway, I've spoken enough. Once again, I want to thank Stefanski, and with that, I wish you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.